on, give God a hand, praise. Will you stand all over the building as we prepare for the word of the Lord? We prepare for the word of the Lord. And today I'm going to entreat you and invite you to to take copious notes, many, many notes. Um, And I hope you guys don't mind my Bible. I brought my real saved Bible. Yeah, Yeah. this this Bible is really, really saved. I I left my my other Bible in my bag and I left my bag somewhere. So this is is the Bible I use. That other Bible I bring to church is the one that look real nice, the one that don't look like it's been through what it's because I want y'all to see a nice Bible. But this is the Bible that I use throughout the course of the week. And maybe every so often we should show some of our wear so that people don't think we're so, amen. Is that fair? Uh, I, I just want to pray for us and then we're going to jump right into the word of God. I know you guys are used to me starting off with a scripture. We're not going to start off with a scripture today because I need to, uh, I want to build myself off of something that I started two weeks ago before I left out of town. Um, and we want to talk about money. Somebody shout money. All right, we're doing our teaching series on money. It is not an accident that the money management class is running congruent with the preaching series. All right, it is not an accident. We are doing this on purpose. We've been talking about giving. We want to talk about giving. Money is important to God, and it should be important to you. Amen. Amen. Money is important to God. It should be important to you. Now, watch this. Getting rich is not important to God. They're two different conversations. Getting rich is not that important to God, but money management is important to God. And today we want to talk about some principles as it relates to God because I believe, well, not I believe, the statistics show that the number two reason why marriages fail have to do with money. The number two reason why marriages fail have to do with money. And I know this sounds like it's a big, it's not that big of a deal, but couldn't everybody use the extra $1,500? Doesn't it just seem crazy that you would be in divorce court because you couldn't make consistently two, three hundred dollars, we're at each other, we're no longer best friends because of eighteen hundred dollars, that just doesn't seem right, does it? So we've got to start to rethink this idea about money and what God has to say about money, and I want to rethink it in a way that honors God because we've had so many people teach us about money that we're like afraid to even preach and teach about it. It's like, oh, my God, somebody's about to, you know, make a mockery of God and his money. And I don't want to do that today. So we go, we, we're just going to let the word of God speak for us. We're going to have a little fun in the word and be challenged by this word. Is that all right? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you, we thank you, we honor you. As we prepare to dig into the word of God, we have many scriptures. So, God, send the kind of anointing that, make, that makes preaching the gospel easy. The kind of anointing that makes receiving the gospel even easier. And Father, I will give your name all the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Smile at somebody. Say, it's just church. Smile, smile, smile. It's not open heart surgery. Technically. Technically. Uh, Somebody shout money matters. Money matters. And uh, it is... um, I'm going to ask Pastor Bill, would you come and help me with my, yeah, there we go, money management. Money matters. Uh, Money matters, and it does matter. And I'm doing a series called Money Games because we play too many games with our money. 
We play a lot of games, particularly when it comes to what God has to say about it and how we get to have ownership of our money and all these amazing things. Uh, This becomes a problem in the body of Christ. It becomes a contention point at families. It also becomes a conflicting point within ourselves. And what does it mean for us to have money? How do we, should I spend my money? Who's in control of our money? And all that good stuff. And God's got something to say about that. God's got something to say about that. Somebody shout money. Shout money. I know that's like hard to say at church, isn't it? It's just like the weirdest thing. It's, like, it's one of those, it's like saying the word sex. Like nobody likes to say that word at church, but it happens all the time. Like we have to talk about money because somebody is going to leave. You probably spent some money to get to church today. Right? You're probably going to spend money after church today. This idea of what am I supposed to do and how should I manage this and, what, and even worse, why I should never talk about it. It's something that is problematic and is problematic to God, but we are going to talk about this idea about money because God is not just the God of your soul. He is the God of your pocketbook. And the church said, and the church said, y'all not going to be like first service. They was real quiet all service long because don't nobody want the preacher to get in their pocketbook. But I'm going. I'm not going to take nothing out, but I'm going in your pocketbook this morning, all right, because God has something to say about giving. God has something to say about giving, so much to the degree that giving gives us the kind of increase in our lives, both spiritually and naturally. Our giving is a test. It's also a pathway to blessing. Our giving is also the way that others get blessed. Giving has so many layers attached to it that when we just kind of ignore it or don't talk about what it means to give, or watch this, when we reduce giving to say, but I give my time, You know how y'all give that one? But pastor, I give my time, and God says, wait a minute now, I I will take your time, but I also put a demand on your resources. I put a demand on your finances. I put a demand on your money. I put a demand on your talent as well as your time. I put a demand on your treasure because Jesus said that where your treasure is, what else? Come on, help me preach. He said, that's where my, he said, I'm going to find your heart, and I don't have to look for your heart to find it. I'm going to look for your treasures. And wherever you have a treasure, God says your heart is not far behind it. And that's important for us to understand is that that, that where we have started to lay up our treasures, and money is not just a treasure, there are a lot of things that you're allowed to treasure in this life. You should treasure your family. You should treasure your relationships. You should treasure, and one of the things that we value in our house, we treasure and value um, vacations. Like all of that is a part of our journey. There is nothing wrong with having a treasure. But what God is saying is that I don't want the sacrifice of your personal treasure to be greater than the sacrifice of your God treasure. And this is where God comes in. He says that I will start to search and look for the treasure. And when I get to your treasure, I can tell you a lot about your heart. I can tell you a lot about your heart. You you are really... If you want to know where your heart is, you are really one bank statement away from knowing where you are. You're one bank statement away from knowing where your heart is. All you have to do is pull out your bank statement and just watch how you've been spending your money. That will give you a great indicator on the things that you value. Are y'all following me this morning? I know. I, I dare you to do that exercise and just go across of it. We just did it in my house. Just go across of it and see how have I been spending my money? What have I been spending my time? Wait a minute. What have I been sacrificing to get? Because there are things that are going to be on your bank account that you will have made a sacrifice to have that don't have anything to do with God or good money management or doing anything like that. You just wanted that dress. 
You just had to have that blazer. You see what I'm saying? And God is saying that I don't mind you having desiring other things and wanting other things, but I don't want you sacrificing more over some sneakers than when I want you to sacrifice over doing things for the kingdom of God. And this is important because this is how we start to prioritize and put money in its proper place without be, making it become some kind of hokey pokey. So one thing that we try not to do that I, that I want to talk about is play the money game. Somebody shout money games. Somebody shout when God says to give. When God says to give. All right. So let's review five principles that we learned a couple of weeks ago. I want to review a couple of weeks ago because my first, um, uh, it's been two weeks since we talked about it. I went on a trip and then, of course, we had to talk about the, the Valentine's Day stuff. Uh, so it's been a couple of weeks. I want to review a tad bit about some of the things that we discussed and some of the things that we talked about. We have five principles that are related to giving. And it really should be six principles. And we'll talk about, uh, let's talk about this first thing first, I want you to write this down, is that you will never understand biblical giving. You will just never understand biblical giving or God's right or his demand to expect you to give if you don't understand that God owns everything. Say that after me. Shout, God owns everything. Say that loud. Shout, God owns everything. Come on, say it till you get it in your spirit. God owns everything. This, this, is, this is so important and it's so critical that you get this. It is the stratum, it is the foundation, it is the base, it is at the bottom of everything that it relates to, give, to biblical giving. Is that God owns it all. You are not an owner. Whatever you have in your pocket, whatever you have in your bank account, it does not belong to you. If we think of it as it relates to a kingdom mentality, the Bible teaches us that the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. In other words, God says, everything that is a thing belongs to me. That's what he starts off with. He says, the earth is the Lord's, this earth. The, the, the earth is the, the fullness of it, everything in it, gold, jewelry, diamonds, high, wood, everything that you'll make valuable belongs to me. He says, the world, all the stuff that you observe, and the people of the inhabitants and the stuff that's in this world, he said, it belongs to me. God says, it's all mine. Let's start there. Somebody shout, it's God's. Now, that is the foundation of biblical giving, is to first start with the conversation that it belongs to God. Now, God can put demands on you based off of the fact that he is not asking you for your stuff. He's asking you for his stuff. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. He's not putting a demand on your stuff now. He's putting a demand on his stuff. You are not an owner. You are a steward. Somebody shout steward. A steward is a manager of somebody else's stuff. If you are the manager of McDonald's, you don't own McDonald's. You are just running it for the person that does own the McDonald's. Uh. Y'all are like, but it's my money, but I worked for it, but I earned it. But God made it possible for you to get it. God says, so I'm the owner of everything, and you manage what comes into your life. When I allow it to come into your life, it's my money in your possession, not your possession. Did y'all get that? This is God's money in your possession. It is not your possession. And there's a significant difference between being an owner and being a manager, because the manager only does what the owner tells him to do with what's in his possession. So as a steward, somebody shout, I'm a steward. 
as a steward, my job is to know what the, what the owner wants and to respond in kind to the owner's desires. So when the owner says that I want you to take 10% of what I put in your possession and give it to the kingdom of God, you don't get to tell God that I'm not giving it like it's yours. Uh, okay, I'm going to talk to the balcony because they are obviously not that spiritual this Sunday. So uh, you, we don't get to tell God, I'm not giving away this 10%. I got something else I want to do with it this Sunday. I'm not giving away my tithe or I'm not sowing the seed that you put in my spirit because I got something else I want to do with it. God is in heaven saying, wait a minute, what do you mean you're not giving away? It's not yours to say no to me to. It's mine. It's in your possession. And I want you to move it over here. So shift it. Amen. Now, now, watch this. So, so write this principle down. God expects us to give. God expects you to give. Because it's his, he has a righteous expectation to be able to demand for you to give what is his. He has a problem when you don't give it. In fact, if you can, if I walked into your house, and we friends, we friends, Dante, we cool. If I walked into your house and I went into your bedroom and I took your most expensive watch and I put it in my pocket and I walked out of the house with your watch, even though we're friends, we're going to have a problem. That's right. We're going to have a problem. Why? Because we're, we're friends, though, bro. What do you mean we're going to have a problem? We're going to have a problem because I did not give you deed of ownership. You stole what was mine. That's what he says. You, took, you would have stolen, well, but we're friends. But you stole what was your friends, which makes it even worse. You took from me. So now, what, why, why, am I making, why am I asking, what does this got to do with anything as it relates to giving? So God came to, to Israel in the book of Malachi, and he tells Israel, he says, hey, man, I see that you guys love me. They was like, yes, God, we sure do. We love you a whole lot. He said, but are you certain that you really love me the way you say you love me? And they're like, God, we love you. He said, well, let me ask you guys this question. Will a man rob God? They said, of course not. We're friends. We love each other. You love me and I love you. I never want to rob God. God said, but you robbed me. He said, well, what do you mean we robbed me? Israel was like, God, this is blasphemous. What do you mean we robbed you? We would never rob you. He says, you robbed me in your tithes. He said, well, what do you mean robbed you in the tithe, God? How in the world could we rob you with tithe? This is how it happened. He said, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I am the owner. I put it in your possession. You are the manager. I asked for 10% of what you have to go to the kingdom. You decided you would not give me 10%. You essentially, even though we're friends, walked in my house, took what is mine, and refused to give it back when I asked for it. You did not borrow this from me. You stole it from me. So God says, you robbed me in the tithe and offering because you are spending what is not yours and what I haven't given you ownership to. Are y'all following me this morning? Are you following me in the balcony? This becomes a critical part because this is the basis for God's expectation for you to give. God is the owner, and he has an expectation for you to give. The second thing that God has uh, uh, in mind as it relates to our giving is, uh, from a review from last week, rather, is that God, he, he says that giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. The scripture says that when they came to the boy Jesus, they bowed down to him, worshiping him, giving. Somebody shout giving. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. These were the resources that helped them to navigate through the time where they were running from the king. 
So the second thing, uh, so giving is worship. Your giving is an act of worship to God. God honors your giving. Giving is the place during the time of worship where we all get to do it together. If you choose not to participate in the praise and the worship part, you can still become a corporate body of worshipers by seeing giving as an act of worship and not that part of service where they take from me. The third thing I want you to remember uh, from last week uh, is that giving is done in the light of Jesus' sacrifice. This is important that we see that giving is done in light of of Jesus' sacrifice. Now, this is Paul trying to help the church that likes to complain about giving. This is him putting it all in, in place. You know, pastor, well, I got to give. Pastor, I don't know about that. Pastor, I'm not real sure about this, this offering thing. Pastor, I work real hard for mine. I'm going to try to make sure that mine and mine, which should already be the point of your conversation that you check yourself, is when you're talking so much about what you think you deserve. He says, my, my, he said, Paul says, listen, he says, I want you guys to get this in, in light of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. You haven't sacrificed anything. He said, in light of what Jesus has given, you haven't given anything. And right now, all you guys think about when you think about what Jesus sacrificed is the fact that he came and he got beat. And they, they beat him with a cat of nine tails and they pulled his beard off and he was bleeding. And he, and he had to carry his cross and he was exhausted and he was exhausted. And then they nailed him to a cross and that was horrible. And they lifted him up and put him on the cross. And then they humiliated him for three days. And then he came down and then he went into And we look at that and say, wow, man, that was quite a sacrifice that God gave us from a sacrifice. So I'm trying to compare, watch this, Jesus' pain to my pain. And there are pains that we have in this life that seems like it could hurt about as bad as Jesus has hurt, hurt him. That's a narrow pr- perspective about looking at how much Jesus sacrificed. you got to remember what Jesus did. He did a whole lot more than just take that whipping over the course of three days. Jesus was God. All right, y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, help me preach that. The Word was God. In other words, Jesus was God. He had no time. He had no space. Jesus had no limits. He had no pain. Jesus operated in a euphoric sport, in a euphoric space. Jesus was in everything all the time, and at the same time, he was in everything. It could not be a thing if Jesus wasn't it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Jesus was in darkness, and darkness is not really a thing. In fact, when the Bible talks about the world being created and the fact that God created, the Bible teaches us that out of nothing something was made and the idea that there was out of nothing something is an unfathomable idea because whatever you're thinking about right this second about what nothing is is actually something so it wasn't out of that that God created it was out of something that we can't even imagine is nothing God creates something and then that something begins to function and move and have and have systems that are associated with it that were perfect and not only were the systems perfect. It was one planet of a billion of so kinds of stars and planets in our galaxy, which is a portion of a billion or so, come on, galaxies that exist in the world. And that is just the observable world that we're able to see. And then there are 
billions that they say that are unobservable that we can't see that God was in control of before he decided to put on the body, John, 16, John 3 and 16, but, uh, uh, before he, 1 and 16, before he decided to put on the body, he was the God that did all of that with no limitations. And y'all think that the worst thing about him coming to earth was the fact that he had to get beat. That was not the worst thing. The fact that he had no limits and had to become limited. I want to talk to somebody in this place. Am I preaching to anybody that's ever been limited in their life? Limited, can't move the way you want to move, can't function on what you believe, can't operate in the gift that you have, cannot perform in this world the way you want to perform because of your limits. Jesus was like, I didn't just have a little bit more, I had it all. And Paul said, and you want to talk about what you sacrificed? Because God asked me for that little hundred dollars. He said, Jesus sacrificed a whole lot more than that. So in light of what Jesus sacrificed, he said it's important. The final thing that I want you to, or the, uh, the next thing that I want you to see is that giving should be done in accordance with your means. Don't get so spiritual that you give away rent money. Don't give away, don't get so spiritual that the baby don't have diapers after you have blessed the Lord. Don't get so spiritual that you start giving your offering on credit. You know, credit is money you don't have. Amen. God said, give me what you do have, not what the bank has. He said, I got a requirement for them to give me something. But you, so we have to give in accordance with our means. Well, pastor, what does that mean? That means that good money principles, management principles become important. He says that if you give and have good money management principles, you cannot have as much as the person next to you, but still give something that moves the needle of heaven. And that helps with the kingdom of God. And the, and the last thing that I want you to jot down as a, as a review from last week, uh, week before last, is God uh, is giving to God is connected to giving to us. We don't know why. I, I can't explain why. But for whatever reason, the Bible shows that if you give sparingly, you reap sparingly. I don't know why. He said if you give bountifully, you reap bountifully. We don't know why God does that. And maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later in the, uh, in the sermon. <laughs> We're not sure. But what happens with God is that God, there is something about the way that we give that motivates God to give, to outgive us. There's something about the way we give that motivates God to outgive us. Now, let's jump into this word because uh, we, we talked a few weeks ago about the principles of giving. I want to give you now four results of biblical giving. There are results that are connected to biblical giving. God is not just asking to bleed you out. What God is attempting to do is God is a rewarder. Somebody shout rewarder. God rewards us for giving. Now, let me scrub your brain. Let me scrub your religious, spiritual brains and, and help you understand that God is not a lottery system. He's not a lottery system. If you give $1, he's not going to give you $10 back. It doesn't work like that. And if you give or if you're in an offering or if you're in a service that demands that of you, that, hey, if you sow this, then God is going to give you a, a million dollars back because you sold $10. Listen, pack your stuff and walk out while they're doing it. Because that is, not the, that is not God's methodology. Now, God will reward your giving. But he's not a lottery system. He checks your heart when you're sowing. He checks your heart when you're giving. And he may challenge you how to give, 
But he's not necessarily saying that I'm, a, I'm your lottery system and this is the only way I get resources into your life. So scrub that thinking and let's talk about four Bible and biblical results, all right? When you, when you give to the kingdom of God and when you give to God, you can expect Bible God to provide for your life. Here's the first thing. Write this down. When we give, we unlock heaven's provision. We unlock heaven's provision. How many of you need God to unlock heaven? We, need, we unlock God's provisions, right? Check this out. 2 Corinthians verse 8, 9 and 10 says this. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. That's important that you understand. Now, we can create the apple when we have the seed, but we cannot create the seed. You missed that. God, in this, God puts himself above everybody. He says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower. In other words, he says that I'm not giving you the apples. I'm the one that gives you the seed. And the orchard doesn't come from the apple. The orchard comes from the seeds. And I am the God that is the God of the seed and not just the apple. And the church said, now unto him who is able to give seed. Somebody shall seed. Somebody shall seed. Seed is what grows into a harvest. Seed is what grows into your blessing. It is the seed, and you cannot eat the fruit and the seed and then be mad at God that there is no harvest. Uh, Y'all not talking back to me in here. You can't eat the seed. You can't eat the fruit and the seed. You cannot take the gift. The, 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 you cannot take your blessing and God's tithe and use it all up in the world without any give back to the kingdom of God and be and be angry at God because provision isn't happening the way you expect it. Because you can't eat the apple and the seed and expect there to be an orchard. It doesn't work like that. That's why he challenged us with the 10% giving. He challenged us with the idea of giving because when we give, it activates growth. Giving activates growth the same way putting seed in the ground activates growth. When we give, it activates provisions that come from heaven. Watch what he says. He says that he gives seed to the sower, bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you've sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. That is powerful that God would put your rightness and your giving parallel in the same scripture. I know we don't like to view it that way, but when we talk about righteousness, we are talking about correctness or rightness. God put rightness and our giving in the same scripture to let us know that giving is a righteous act before God and to expect God, to expect rather, for us to sow into the kingdom of God in a manner that honors God is something that blesses the needle of heaven. Watch what he says. He says, while you are enriched in everything and for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through, uh, thanksgiving through us to God. Because giving uh, activates the provision of God. I want you to write this down. I want you to write this scripture down. I want to give you something else. Write this scripture down. In 1 Kings, it's important that you see this. In 1 Kings, there's a story of a woman named Sheba, Queen Sheba. Queen Sheba was, uh, uh, she was a queen in another land. She came because she had heard about Solomon, and she heard that Solomon was one of the wisest men 
in the world, one of the wisest men in the universe. And she wanted Solomon to give her all of the secrets to the riddles and to the keys of knowledge. So here's what the Bible says she did in verse 2. She came to Jerusalem, watch this, with a very great retinue, with camels that bore spices, with very much gold and precious stones. And when she had come to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Now, watch what happens now. Not only did she bring those keys to him, in verse 10, it says then after he gets ready to talk to her, he gets finished talking to her from about verses 3 through about verses 8, the scripture teaches us that she, he told her so much stuff, gave her so much wisdom that she replied back to him that even what I heard about you, all the good stuff I heard about you, the half of how good you are, wasn't even told to me. How amazing you were, they barely even, they were just touching the tip of the iceberg of how fantastic you were. So, on top of what she gave them when she got there, the Bible says, then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. She says, there was never again come such an abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Go to the next slide. Watch what he says. He said, also, somebody shout, also, the ships from Harem brought gold from Ophir, which means she brought, she brought very rare mined gold, uh, brought great quantities of almond wood, which was a precious wood from Ophir. In other words, she was going all throughout her country to try to bring him gifts because of, the, of what she wanted from the king when he got there. This is important. I'm going to help you with a kingdom principle as it relates to giving. She wanted something from him, so she brought him an offering. Y'all missed that. You missed that. She wanted something from him. She wanted something from him, so she blessed him. <laughs> and when she blessed him, he responded by giving her what she asked him for. Then she blessed him again. Somebody shout again. She blessed him again and gave him way more stuff. This is what she did. She said, God, you are amazing, and I bless you because you asked for it and because I'm re reaching out for you for blessings and miracles, and God, you're always doing something for me. Here's my offering. Here's my tithe. And then God blessed her so fantastically. She said, good Lord, I owe you more than what I've been giving you, so I'm going to bless you even more with that. This is the way that the tithe principle works. When we sow to the kingdom and God blesses, blesses us. It motivates us to want to bless the kingdom of God even more. And she started heaping stuff on top of the king because the king had been responding to her need. Now, watch what happens next. Is the Bible says that Solomon watches her give to him, and Solomon is the richest person in the world. The Bible says he's the richest, wealthiest person that will ever be, that there will never be a person that will have what he has. And Solomon is like receiving what she's given. It almost doesn't make sense that we have to give to somebody that's got everything. It's like, what are you giving to Solomon that Solomon can't already buy himself? What are you giving to, because it was about principle. It wasn't about whether Solomon could pay for it himself. It was about principle. Is that when she sold, she unlocked provision from his kingdom. And then when he supplied, she sold more and he unlocked even more. Now watch what happens now. So King Solomon, after she blesses him with all this stuff, he looks at his stuff and he's like, man, 
You just gave me a whole bunch of stuff. And the Bible says that Queen Sheba, that now King Solomon gave Queen Sheba all that she desired. And whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her, according to the royal generosity. Somebody shout, according to. Somebody shout, according to. So she turned and she went to her own country and, and she took her service. The rest of the chapter talks about how wealthy and how rich and how much money and how, how vast the dowry of King Solomon is. Now, stay with me and let me make this make sense. Are y'all ready? Are y'all still with me? Let me make this make sense. This is important. What happens is she needs something from him, so she blesses him. That's, that's, that's a little testimony for everybody that's going to ever take somebody to lunch and pick their brain and take somebody out and hang out. At least pay for lunch. Amen. Y'all not, amen. At least pay for lunch. Don't ask them out and ask them, hey, can we spend some time together? And, da, da, da. and you, you take all their wisdom and all their money. I'm, I'm going to help you with that. So what happens when you bless up front is it releases and unlocks. When you say, hey, man, I got the meal. Don't worry about it. Just meet me for lunch. I love to talk to you. It starts to unlock things in their heart and their mind, and they just feel obligated to, re, to give to you be according to what they have because you initiated it. So this is what happens with her, with him. After he gives to her, she gives him even more. So it starts to become this, if you give, I'll give to you. If you give, I'll give to you. But I need you to see how the response is. She gave a little bit. He gave a whole lot. She gave a little bit more. The Bible says he gave out of his royal generosity, which means that he gave more. Now, watch what he's giving. If Dante had $1,000 and I said, Dante, let me get 10% of that 1000 and Dante gave me 10% of the 1000 out of what he had, he would give me $100. But now, if, if, if Elder Goodwill has a million dollars, and I asked Elder Goodwill, can I have can, for 10% of, her, of, of her, her giving, and she gives it out of her dowry, they will have given the same percentage, but she would have given me heaps of more because according to what she has, a million dollars yields a larger 10% than his $1,000. Are you following what I'm saying? The reason why this is important is because the way that he repays her is not according to the way she sold into him. It was according to the wealth in which he had accumulated over the course of the years. So she left with more than what she gave because you cannot beat this king giving. There's an old saying that says you can't beat God giving no matter how you try. Why? Because God is a king. Y'all are not talking back to me. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. They asked Jesus, are you a king? Jesus said, it is exactly as you say. I am a king. So if you give to me, I got to give it back to you. Bigger than you gave me. And he says, if you give to me again, I'll give it back to you. Why? Because the gift is determinant of the glory that is on a king. In the Old Testament, if you had a lot of wealth, you were considered to have a lot of glory. So when she gave him wealth, she gave him her glory. But he wasn't going to be out glorified in his own kingdom. So he gave greater back to her to help her understand that I am the king of glory. I want to talk to everybody in this house that think that you're going to outgive God. God will not be outgiven. If you sow into him, he will give it back to you. Uh -uh. Good measure. Press down. 
shaking together. Y'all are not talking back to me in here. Runneth over. He said, you will not beat me in this given thing because when you give to me, you unlock my provision for your life. And I need a giver to shout I'm in here. All right? This is important. Number two, I want you to write this down. We might not get to four, but I want you to write two down. Is that God remembers our giving and brings breakthroughs. I'm so grateful to God that God doesn't forget our labor of sacrifice. God doesn't forget your labor of sacrifice. The Bible says in the book of Acts, I want you to write this, this chapter down. Uh, Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter uh, uh, I hate when I can't remember my scriptures, but I want you to have this down. Uh, Acts chapter 10, there we go. Acts chapter 10. There was a centurion man, and his, na- uh, and he was, his name was Cornelius. The Bible said that the centurion was called, uh, 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 that, 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 uh, let's just read it. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called uh, an Italian regiment, a devout man who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously. Watch this. He was a giver. He gave generously. Somebody shout generously. Alms is the money that you give over to, uh, the, for the sake of helping the poor, the sake of helping community, the sake of helping enrich people's lives that have been broken by, by whatever reason. It's the Bible says that he gave generously to the people and he prayed always about, and then about the ninth hour, he had a vision of an angel coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and the Bible says, and when he observed it, the, this angel, he got afraid for this angel And he said, what is it, Lord? And the Bible says that the angel said to him, your prayers and your giving has come up before the Lord. I want you to hear what I'm saying. He said that your prayer, watch this, God was not just listening to prayers. God was trying to determine how much he inputted before he was determining what God was going to output into his life. Y'all, y'all missed that. You missed that. God was, you remember the story of Jesus? The Bible says that Jesus and his disciples were at service one day, and they were watching the offering. The Bible said, I know y'all don't like to read the Bible like that, but, the, but that's what the Bible meant. The Bible said that they were observing or they were watching. Jesus was watching how people were giving. He was just watching. He watched so much that he had a dialogue on who was giving what. He leaned over to his disciples. He said, hey, you see that little lady over there that just put those two mites in? She gave more than all these jokers in this church gave. And they were like, well, how is that? Because it's only two, you know, two mites, and that, she couldn't have gave that much. He says, you're missing the point. He says, well, because she gave out of, the, out of what she didn't have, all the rest of them gave out of what she did have. Watch this. The blessing was based off the fact that God was watching how she was giving. And for some of us that think that God, when he speaks to our heart, he does not expect us to respond to the way he speaks. God has sent me here to remind you that I'm watching how you're giving. And yeah, I hear your prayers, but I also watch your giving. And if your giving is not in obedience with what I have demanded, he said, you don't have to spend so much time praying because giving is a principle, not a prayer thing. Y'all missed that. You missed that. You missed that. Give, you can pray all you want, but if you don't put something in the bank, when you go to your ATM machine and you have not made a deposit, you cannot expect a withdrawal. 
And God is saying that I am watching how you give and that you give and when you give and the fact that you obey me when I put it on your heart. Bless your sister with $10. Bless your brother and pay for his meal. Honor your pastor and da-da. Honor your mothers and yaya. Honor the, when we honor God the way that God puts it on our heart to honor God, when we pray before God, God looks up and he says that not only do I hear your prayers, I see that there is no treasure in your life that you have taken such ownership to that you won't release it when I tell you to release it. I'm preaching better than y'all are saying amen. Somebody that's a giver, shout, I'm here. He says, he says, all right, uh, 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 let's go ahead and get finished since we're here. He says, he says, uh, the third thing, write this down. Write the third thing down. When we give, here's a reward for our giving. Uh, the reward for our giving is that we knit the household of faith together. The household of faith grows and it benefits and God gives praise when we give. Look at what the Bible teaches us uh, in, for, in Corinthians. Uh, the Corinthian church says, that, the Corinthian scripture says this. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 9, 12 and 15. He says, for the administration of this service, he's talking about the giving. He says, not only supplies the need of the saints. I want you to hear, hear what he, he's trying to say. How the household of faith is starting to come together as it relates to our gifts. He says, he says that not only when you give are people being blessed, you're supplying needs for the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. In other words, watch what is happening now. He says, you did not realize that when you give and your giving becomes a blessing to somebody else, it raises their praise up before God. Not only does it meet a need, but it makes somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Uh, you missed that. You missed that. You missed that. You think that your giving only stops with you. Your giving has made more people. Anybody ever had something given to them in the nick of time? That's, that's, that's not everybody. I want to talk to some people that have had God bless right at the 31st day of the month. God bless right at 4.50, right before 5 o'clock. You know, if, if you never had a just-in-time blessing, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But I do want to talk to people that have had a blessing in their life that saved the day, a blessing that saved the marriage, a blessing that got tuition paid. A Anybody had that kind of blessing know exactly what I'm talking about. When the blessing comes, it doesn't just make you say thank you to the one that gave it. It makes you say thank Thank you to the God that gave it to the one that. God help me. That's why you got to get out when we go and touch the poor. Because they, they emit a praise. The people, when you give them socks or when we give them stuff, when we bless them. You have no idea how many times people are like, thank you. Thank the Lord for you. I pray for you. I give thank the Lord for you. Your giving is promoting praise in the earth. And there are not many more things that God appreciates than when people give him praise. Watch what he says. He says, abounding through thanksgiving to God. And while we are the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. Because you were obedient in the giving, it promotes their praise. And he says, uh, and he says, and for and for the liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceedingly grace that is in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable. 
indescribable gift. I want you to pay attention to their prayer for you. I want you to understand something. Is that sometimes the persons and the people that give you the best prayers are the ones that you bless. They give you, because we come here so full and we give you one of these highfalutin prayers and we give you the, you know, the pastor's anointing touch prayer. But sometimes when people, when people have been impacted by your journey, what they ask God for is not filled with religious fluff. It goes straight to the throne of God. It is people that says, I'm going straight to the kingdom of God with your prayer. And it is not a prayer that is filled with the fluff of life. It's a prayer that is filled with the intensity of the earnesty in which God wants to reply to. Amen? And here's the final thing. I want you to write this down. Is that we cultivate prosperity in our lives. When we give, we cultivate prosperity. Write down Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 9 through 10. I want you to write this scripture down. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. He says, and then your barns will be filled with plenty. He says, and your vats will overflow with new wine. New wine is, an, is, a, is, a, is a New Testament imagery of spiritual increase as well. I want you to check out this next scripture though because I don't want you to leave without putting this down in your spirit. Uh, you can uh, Proverbs 11 and 25 for your knowing, but also let's read 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, and we'll pray and head home. 2 Corinthians 9, watch what he says. He says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Y'all know that scripture. He said, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You know that part, but watch what he says. He says, so let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not begrudgingly, for God, or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We all know those parts. God loves a cheerful giver. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. If you, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. But I want you to keep, keep track of verse 8. Because he says, and God is able to make all grace. Somebody shout all grace. Somebody shout all grace. See, he's talking about giving now. And he says that not only uh, if you sow, he gives you principle. If you reap, he gives you principle. He says that it, it, I want you to do it out of joy, not out of necessity. He gives you instruction. But now he's helping you understand to the level of which God is going to bless your life. He said God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you will always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance in every good work. I want you to stay with me now. Because he says God is able to make all grace abound. Somebody shout all grace. Say that loud. Say all grace. What you're giving. See, we have made you think. And we have limited the way that God blesses when we give. We have made you think that when we give, God is going to give money back to you because you sold money to him. And the Bible says, doesn't say that. The Bible says that what God will give you is he'll give you every grace that you need. When you sow and you put it into the kingdom, he said every grace that you need will abound you. Abound means to get to the perimeters of your journey. So if you got a mess this big, God said grace will get wider than your mess. He said if you got a problem this big, grace will abound or get wide. It will get to the perimeter of your, of your heartache, of your breakthrough. Every grace, when I sow, sow to God, it's not about the money. It's about my heart toward God. And when my 
my heart is toward God. God says that I will send the grace, not just for your finances, but I'll send the grace to heal your broken heart. The grace to send you a kind word in a nice season. The grace to give you a right mind in a bad situation. The grace to give you strategy. Y'all are awfully quiet in here. God is not limited to your pocketbook, but when God gives grace, it is grace to save and grace to repair and grace to reconcile and grace to grow and grace to mature. I need somebody that needs a grace bigger than your money can buy to raise your voice. I say raise your voice. He said, God, uh, he said that I'm going to give you all grace so that you will always have all sufficiency. In other words, that you'll have enough in all things. Somebody shout all things. Enough in all things so that you can do every good work that I put out there for you to do. Some of us have the money to do good things but don't have the mind. He said that when you sow, I'll give you all things that are enough of the mind to do it. I'll give you enough of the temperament to do it. I'll give you enough of the patience to do it. I'll give you enough of the attitude to do it. Money is not at the base of all of our problems. Sometimes I need stuff that my money cannot afford to buy me. And God says that as a part of the way he blesses when we sow, he will give us everything we need so that we can do good things in the world. And the word of the Lord is blessed. Somebody give God a hand praise. Stand to your feet if that blessed you. Stand to your feet if that blessed you. Listen, 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 listen. I want you to keep this in mind because we're going to pray. We're going to invite you to Christ, then we're going to head out. But I want you to keep this in mind as it relates to your giving. If you can get this in your spirit, that everything that's in my possession, I do not own. God owns it. Then it gives God's word license to now navigate you and to guide you in how you use what you believe belongs to God. And then you can look at the rewards of honoring God. Not, as, not from a place of saying that I'm going to give this so God can reward me because God has rewarded you plenty with salvation. But I'm not giving so that God can reward me. I'm giving because it, because it unlocks something that moves on behalf of God. I unlock something. When I sow, I unlock other people's worship to God. I make people that maybe didn't see God wonder, well, how did this get here in the nick of time? I praise maybe God is alive. It makes people that are not believers sometimes start to ponder, and at times they do believe. It makes people that do not praise God or that have been holding on to their praise release a praise simply because, simply because you had the audacity to hear God. Watch this, not with your time, not with your talent, but with your treasure. What's with your treasure? Because a hungry man don't need you to sit and just be with him. He needs you to give him some bread. That's what he does. It's cool that you sit with him. But it's even better that you have some warm bread to give. Are you here? Y'all off? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Y'all don't feel too beat up, do you? You don't feel too beat up, do you? God is trying to unlock blessing all over the city. All over the city. And you're like, but Pastor, we're a giving church. We're a church that does. We sow, we give, we give to the community. We have partners that help us give to the community. We can, but we can do more. We can do more. 
Because there are so many voices out here that need to praise God. There's so many voices that need to come into alignment with the Spirit of God. There's so many more people that, that, that our small offerings can bring great kingdom rewards. Kingdom rewards. But we gotta, we gotta settle this giving thing. You, me, we've gotta settle this, we gotta settle this ownership conversation. Because I took two weeks away from this, you got, you got three weeks worth of teaching in one week. So I hope you took good notes. Because we gotta move on next week. But, but we have to settle this giving thing. I'm gonna challenge you to give on another level. Whatever that looks like for you. That doesn't necessarily mean more. That could mean more consistently. That could mean according to a biblical number. Not just kind of nilly-willy, I give God what I have left. Ah, I had a great weekend. I got $6 left. Let me get that to God. Ah, da, da, da. But to do like Paul said, <clears throat> think about it before you get to church. Store something along the side. Take your paycheck and put a little, little something over to the side. Say, this is, this is for Sunday. This is my Sunday envelope. That's my grandmother used that, Sunday envelope. This is my Sunday envelope. Just let him put this little, thank you, baby. I appreciate that. Put that over in that Sunday, that, that envelope right there. Yes, ma'am. That's going to the house of the Lord. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? And isn't it funny? It's, let me tell you what's funny. And we're going to pray. Come on, just grab a hammer. But let me tell you what's funny. People like my grandmother, they never had nothing. They never had nothing. My grandmother probably never made more than $25,000 a year her whole life. She never had nothing. She, she just didn't. She owned two houses. That was but. Cashed them out. That was but. See, that's all she did. That's, she just, she, we don't know she owned two houses. She cashed them out. She, she living in one side now, renting the other one out. She 100 years old. She 100 years old. But if you gave her $10, she's going to say, take out that $1. Put it in my church envelope. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy because my dad was a certified electrician. He worked, my mother worked. But for many years when I was a child, we had to go get meat from my grandmother who never made more. Who never made more than $25,000 ever in the course of her life. But if you gave her $10, she was going to take that $1 and she was going to say, put it in in my Sunday envelope. And then I realized as I grew up, we wasn't the only family that was freeloading off my grandmother. I don't like freeloading, but you know. We, I realized that when my uncles got in a pinch, they went over to the house. And when my aunts got into a pinch, they went over to the house. And when, when all the grandchildren got in trouble, we went over to the house. And she was, she was paying rents, and she was taking care of school clothes, and she was making Christmases happen, and she was making Thanksgiving turkeys appear. She was doing all those things. And she never made $25, more than $25,000 a year. But if you gave her $10, she was going to take a dollar and she was going to put it in the church envelope. And there's something that happens in the church envelope. Ah, I feel his presence. There's something that happens in the church envelope. We don't, we don't really know what happened. Nobody can tell you what happened when Jesus stuck his hand in the basket and pulled out a piece of bread. We just know that when he gave it out, Every time he put his hand in, he kept pulling out bread. 
We don't know what happened in the basket. I can't tell you how it went down. There is no theologian that can give that to you. There is no Greek that can break that down to you. The Aramaic and the Hebrew, there is none of that. We can't tell you how it happened. But what I do know is when he put his hand in the basket, he just kept coming out with bread. Because when he asked the little boy for the fish and the five loaves, he said, I got me a little Sunday envelope. And he gave it to Jesus. And that's what happens when we give. My bank account may never go to the millions, but for some reason I always have what I need. Because I prioritize my giving. I prioritize my giving. Do you see the power of giving? So, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we bless you for our time together. And Holy Spirit, we honor you. And I pray that you send the anointing that makes preaching and teaching the gospel simple. I pray that you... You sent an anointing that made it pierce our hearts and didn't get shut down by our minds because the money conversation is so difficult to have. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would unlock blessing on people that are obedient in the way of giving. Unlock miracles. Unlock your graces. Let them abound. Let them get to the perimeter and outflank our problems. God, I pray that we see this as a serious matter. Not because our church needs all this money. It's not because of that. You've been supplying the needs for this house for 13 years. So, God, we're not getting into the church, the begging for money, period, at no point. We honor you. I'm not doing it for that purpose. God, you have blessed this house exponentially. But, God, now you want to bless your people. Now you want to unlock doors for your people. So, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, let this word find a place deep in our hearts and let us exercise the faith to honor you and give it. And I bless you for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Now listen, while you're holding hands, if you're not born again, and I know we didn't preach the sermon of come to Jesus, and I know we didn't preach that, but I've come to this conclusion that God doesn't necessarily need me to invite you to him for you to come to him. So maybe it was something that you sensed in the worship or something that you sensed in the fellowship with the other believers. Maybe it was something that touched you in the word of God that makes you say, I want to connect with God. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. So maybe I want to give my life to him for the very first time. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to let the hand go that you're holding and lift your hand high in the air. I want to send someone to pray for you. Come on. I see hands. I see hands. I see hands. Lift up. Let those hands go and lift just like you in the second grade. I want you to go. Yes, yes. We're going to send somebody to you right now. We're going to send somebody to Dante. Dante, Dante, right here, right here, this gentleman right here. We come on, we can, amen, lift those, lift that hand. We're coming to you to pray for you. All right, the rest of the city of hope, I need you to lift those hands and just begin to worship. Give God about 30 seconds while they're praying, while they're talking, while they're inviting them, while they're rededicating their lives to Christ. I want us to talk to the Lord. Come on, help us worship. We're almost out of here, but come on, help us worship. Come on, I believe God. Uh, Come on, come on, help us worship. I receive God. I receive. Come on, how many of you need to receive his grace and receive his blessing? Help us worship. I receive. I believe. I believe. God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to have faith in you. God, I'm going to believe you for your word. And right now, while you're ministering to the hearts of those men and women that are saying yes to you, we bless you. If you don't mind, after you get finished praying, can, they, can you bring them down? I'd love to shake a hand. I love to give a hug. I, re I love to give a 